Good morning and good evening. Welcome to the C-Limited third quarter 2021 results conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Please note this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Ms. Minju Song. Please go ahead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CE's 2021 third quarter earnings conference call. I'm Minju Song from CE's Group Chief Corporate Officer's Office. Before we continue, I would like to remind you that we may make forward-looking statements which are inherently subject to risks and uncertainties and may not be realized in the future for various reasons as stated in our press release. Also, this call includes the discussion of certain non-GAAP financial measures such as adjusted EBITDA and net loss excluding share-based compensation. We believe these measures can enhance our investors' understanding of the actual cash flow of our major businesses when used as a complement to our GAAP disclosures. For a discussion of the use of non-GAAP financial measures and reconciliation with the closest GAAP numbers, please refer to the section on non-GAAP financial measures in our press release. I have with me C's Chairman and Group Chief Executive Officer, Forrest Lee, Group Chief Financial Officer, Tony Ho, and Group Chief Corporate Officer, Yan Wang. Our management will share strategy and business updates, operating highlights, and financial performance for the third quarter of 2021. This will be followed by a Q&A session in which we welcome any questions you have. With that, let me turn the call over to Forrest. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining today's call. C exists to connect communities, enable consumers, and empower small businesses so that more people can benefit from the growth of the digital economy. We continue to scale with efficiency and build deeper connections across our ecosystem. As this happens, we are expanding our total addressable market. We are reporting another quarter of strong results across all our businesses in the third quarter. Our results once again demonstrate our ability to capture new and attractive opportunities. At a group level, for the third quarter of 2021, we continued to record triple-digit growth in GAAP revenue and gross profit. GAAP revenue increased 122% year-on-year to $2.7 billion, while gross profit grew 148% year-on-year to reach $1 billion. Along with our strong financial and operating results for the quarter, we rolled out more initiatives to empower our users to benefit from the opportunities of the digital economy. Let me share some examples. In Indonesia, we have ramped up our efforts to give local SMEs the resources they need to build successful businesses online, including helping them to reach new international markets on Shopee. In recent months, Shopee has opened Shopee Export MSME campuses in Solo and Bandung. These campuses give local businesses the resources and training they need to help them scale more effectively and sell internationally. 
SMEs can access inventory management systems, marketing support facilities like photography studios, courses on management, and initial and individual training sessions with the Shopee team. In Malaysia, we are working with the government to digitize rural sellers and help boost their scale sales on e-commerce platforms. We partnered with the Malaysian Communications and Multimedia Commission to use their rural internet centers nationwide to offer free e-commerce training to local entrepreneurs. Since the start of the campaign in July 2021, we have trained and helped more than 6,000 rural sellers nationwide. We also partnered with the Malaysian government as part of the Shop, Shop Malaysia Online program to promote over 280,000 online and offline local brands and sellers. The program aims to further boost the local SME's participation in the growth opportunity offered by the digital economy. In Thailand, we are working with the Digital Economy Promotion Agency, the Stock Exchange of Thailand, and the Office of Small and Medium Enterprise Promotion to launch the Digital Opportunities for Thailand project. This initiative aims to develop digital entrepreneurial skills for young entrepreneurs through pride, training, and mentoring sessions. Similarly, in Brazil, we have been focused on onboarding more local SMEs to help them to sell and grow online. I'm pleased to note that more than 1 million local sellers in Brazil have registered with Shopee since we started welcoming local sellers in mid-2020. Meanwhile, we are mindful that the impact of the pandemic remains a significant challenge in all our markets. For instance, Vietnam imposed its strictest lockdowns of the entire pandemic during the third quarter. During such lockdowns, we quickly adapted to serving our users as much as possible while ensuring the safety and health of our employees. We worked closely with governments to ensure the safety of our teams and continued to serve our sellers and buyers to the best of our ability. We have also launched various initiatives to assist the government in our markets in rolling out containment and vaccination efforts. In Indonesia, for example, we have worked with the government to integrate the national contact tracing system within our app to enable more users to access this service with ease. In Malaysia and the Philippines, we introduced the small reward programs for users who had been vaccinated to support the governmental efforts to encourage vaccine uptake. All these initiatives reflect the fundamental mission of our business. We want to ensure that the benefits of the technology and the digitization are wide-reaching and accessible. As more people in our communities embrace the digital economy, we are committed to serving the needs of more consumers and small businesses and continuing to play our part in building a healthy and sustainable digital economy. Let us now look at the performance of each of our business segments. 
Starting with digital entertainment, in the third quarter, Garena continued to solidify its position as one of the world's leading game developers and publishers as we deepened engagement with our large and growing global user base. We recorded bookings of $1.2 billion, up 29% year-on-year. Adjusted EBITDA grew 22% from last year to reach $715 million. Quarterly active users were 729 million, representing year-on-year growth of 27%. And quarterly paying users hit 93 million, up 43% from last year. Our paying user ratio increased to 12.8% from 11.4% a year ago. Garena is now serving some of the largest game communities globally, and we are very focused on creating great experiences to engage, entertain, and help friends and families spend time together. In particular, FreeFire's massive and highly engaged user base represents an exciting and a growing opportunity for us. We continue to create high-quality, diverse content so that our community can enjoy fresh and engaging experiences. For example, we introduced more new content that develops the storylines across the Free Fryer universe and its characters to deepen user affinity. We launched an event themed around Moco with a focus on enriching the narrative around one of the most popular playable characters in Free Fryer. We also had our first movie collaboration, partnering with Venom Let There Be Courage, Carnage to bring Venom-themed playable content, in-game items, and collectibles to our users. We are also finding other creative ways to holistically engage with our broader community through offline experiences. This week, Free Fire will make its debut in the fashion world at Sao Paulo Fashion Week, where 20 in-game skins will be brought to life at a fashion show. Events like this are a great way for us to connect with our users across different mediums and reinforce Free Fire's growing influence and importance, both online and offline, among our community. Importantly, we continue to enhance the variety of game modes within Free Fire. In the third quarter, we launched 1v1 and 2v2 modes and have seen significant adoption across our community. Players enjoy the simplicity of these modes because they offer a more casual and quicker game with a smaller group of friends. We are also introducing more diverse gameplay options within Free Fire such as the recently launched Pet Mania. This mode enables users to compete against their friends or other members of the community in various fast-paced casual games. Another highlight of the quarter was the global celebration around Free Fire's fourth anniversary. Among other activities to celebrate this milestone with our community, we worked with global artists to produce a theme song which has been streamed over 16 million times 
across various online platforms to date. At the end of the third quarter, we introduced the Free Fire Max globally to a very strong reception from our community. Free Fire Max offers an enhanced Free Fire experience through higher quality effects, animation, graphics, and features, but retaining the same great gameplay. Because we are committed to empowering users everywhere, we work hard to ensure that players of both Free Fire and Free Fire Max can play together seamlessly. To make that possible, we developed proprietary in-house technology to guarantee complete integration between both Free Fire and Free Fire Max. This also allows existing users of Free Fire to use the same account on Free Fire Max and sync account data across both apps with access to all game modes. With Free Fire Max, we have also incorporated a map editor feature called Craftland. Players can create their own unique maps and invite their friends to join them in playing within these custom maps. This enables us to tap into the creative power of our community. They have always been the source of our inspiration for the game, and now they have an opportunity to create their own experiences within the game. It is also a powerful new way for friends to enjoy the game in a space that they have created together, which adds a new and a deeper dimension to our community building efforts. While still early, Free Fire Max will be an important component of the Free Fire platform by continuing to drive more engagement and experiences across our large and diverse user base. The positive community reception to this initiative is reflected in strong engagement across our market. According to FNE, Free Fire was ranked second globally by average monthly active users for all mobile games on Google Play in the third quarter. Free Fire also continued to be the highest grossing mobile game in Southeast Asia, Latin America, and India. It has maintained this leading position in Southeast Asia and Latin America for nine consecutive quarters, and in India for four consecutive quarters. In the US, Free Fire remained the highest grossing mobile battle royale game for the third consecutive quarter, and it was the second largest grossing mobile game on Google Play across all game categories during the quarter. Given Free Fire's growing global popularity, we see significant opportunity to provide our community with many kinds of ways to enjoy the Free Fire platform. And we continue to invest in building towards a long-lasting global franchise. We are looking forward to a busy calendar of esports events towards the end of the year. Free Fire will be hosting the Free Fire Asia Championship and the Free Fire EMEA Eventational at the end of this month. Additionally, the Reign of Valor International Championship will be held in the coming weeks. We believe this exciting lineup of esports tournaments will further drive engagement across our communities.
We are also very focused on growing our global reach and building a games pipeline that ensures we can capture the most promising and valuable long-term trends in online games. Our growing global presence across diverse high-growth markets gives us important local insights and strong local operational capabilities. And our in-house development team is tapping into this as they work on both existing games and new ideas. Moreover, given our proven global track record, we have received more interest from studios keen to build strategic relationships with us. As such, our pace of investment in and partnerships with game studios worldwide has stepped up. Now, moving to e-commerce. Shopee continues to grow much more quickly than the overall market as we deliver ever greater value to our sellers and buyers. In the third quarter, Shopee recorded gap revenue growth of 134% from last year to reach $1.5 billion. It also recorded gross orders of $1.7 billion, up 123% year-on-year. This is the ninth consecutive quarter of triple-digit year-on-year order growth for Shopee. Shopee's GMV was $16.8 billion, an increase of 81% since last year. With monetization continuing to improve, gap revenue as a percentage of total GMV rose to 8.6% from 6.7% in the third quarter of 2020. The stronger monetization was driven by growth across our revenue streams, including value-added services, transaction-based fees, and advertising revenue. In view of Shopee's performance, we are again raising our full-year 2021 e-commerce guidance. We now expect e-commerce gap revenue to be between $5.0 billion and $5.2 billion, representing over 135% growth from 2020 at the midpoint of the revised guidance. Our previous e-commerce gap revenue guidance was between $4.7 billion and $4.9 billion. As with Garena, Shopee's focus on deepening engagement with our users is a winning strategy. We are helping sellers be more competitive. For example, we have rolled out more features, tools, and services to help them build engagement with their customers and grow their business. We recently launched Seller Missions, an incentive program that rewards sellers with privileges as they complete certain tasks. The program gamifies the experience of sellers as it guides them through features and tools on Shopee they can use to become better sellers. We also introduced the tools like Listing Optimizer, which helps sellers identify listings that can be improved and how to improve them. This initiative helps sellers grow on the Shopee platform and create better experiences for our buyers too. We also recently celebrated the first anniversary of Shopee Premium, a dedicated space on Shopee for select brand partners in the luxury segment. Since launch, 
we have doubled the number of Shopee Premium brands. Through a more immersive shopping experience, Shopee Premium helps brands share their stories and build deeper personalized relationships with buyers. And for our buyers, we continue to roll out captivating content and activities, such as our hugely popular double-day sales. Last week, Shopee had a fantastic Double Eleven shopping festival with widespread success. It was especially heartening to see an uplift in participation from consumers in rural and smaller towns as they enjoyed the convenience of and a wide assortment on Shopee. Additionally, our new local sellers also benefited through a substantial increase in sales during the festival period. These shopping festivals showcase the numerous ways in which we serve and engage with our community. And its success exemplifies Shopee's strengthening position as the go-to marketplace for our consumers. Our focus on engagement and adding value for our community is a key factor in our sustained strong user metrics. According to FNE, Globally, on Google Play, Shopee ranked first in the shopping category by total time spent in app, and second by downloads and average monthly active users in the third quarter. Shopee also continued to be the top-ranked app in the shopping category in both Southeast Asia and Taiwan by average monthly active users and the total time spent in app during the quarter. Shopee was the leading app across these same metrics in Indonesia, where we recorded another quarter of triple-digit year-on-year order growth. Shopee also continued to make good progress in Brazil. In the third quarter, it was once again ranked first by download and the total time spending app, and second by average monthly active users for the shopping category, according to FNE. While Brazil is still a young market for us, our local teams are focused on better understanding our growing community of local buyers and sellers and improving the experience we offer to them. We believe that our deepening engagement with the local community is a promising sign of this market's long-term potential for Shopee. Shopee's total adjusted EBITDA loss per order across all markets was 41 cents in the third quarter. As we have said previously, we are committed to investing efficiently and growing in a sustainable manner across all our markets as Shopee scales. And with that in mind, we are pleased to note that adjusted EBITDA loss per order improved both on a year-on-year and a quarter-on-quarter basis in Southeast Asia and the Taiwan combined as well as in Shopee's other markets combined. Looking ahead, we are prudently and efficiently exploring how to maximize our largest addressable opportunities, given our growing market position. In the recent months, we launched Shopee in Poland, France, Spain, and India. From time to time, we may test the waters in new markets where we believe there may be an opportunity to use our experience in highly diverse environments 
to reach underserved buyers and sellers. On the one hand, our core focus remains managing our efficient and sustainable growth in Southeast Asia, Taiwan, and Brazil, where we have established and are continuing to grow our strong presence serving local sellers and buyers. On the other hand, the opportunities we can address through efficiently leveraging the Shopee platform in existing markets and expanding into new markets have increased. We will continue to exercise prudence and maintain flexibility as we pursue the significant growth opportunities with accelerating investments. Turning to our digital financial services business, C-Money recorded excellent results in the third quarter. The total payment volume of our mobile wallet services grew by 111% year-on-year to reach $4.6 billion. Quarterly paying users of our mobile wallet services increased to over 39 million, up 120% year-on-year. One of our key areas of focus is expanding the number of use cases for our mobile wallet so that we can serve more businesses and add greater value for our users. In the recent months, we partnered with more online and offline merchants such as Google Play in Malaysia, Bluebird Taxi in Indonesia, Family Mart in Thailand, and the Locate Cinema in Vietnam. As we grow the number of use cases, we are naturally seeing an increase in consumer adoption of our mobile wallets as more people grow to appreciate the ease and the convenience that our platform offers. And as our user base grows, we see growing interest from merchants wanting to work with us, creating a positive flywheel effect that we believe will drive increasingly efficient growth for C-Money. Besides our mobile wallet business, we have launched early initiatives in other digital financial services such as Buy Now Pay Later, Digital Bank, and InsureTech. These products are still in the early development phase, and we are currently focused on strengthening our models and operations. In line with our mission to serve the underserved segment in our market, we intend to roll out more of these digital financial products in a thoughtful manner with our customary focus on long-term sustainable growth. We are excited about the significant long-term growth potential of the opportunity that C-Money addresses, and we believe we are well positioned to serve this opportunity by building on our strong technology core and our unique insights on and the relationship with consumers and the businesses across our markets. Last but not least, I'm very pleased to announce Chris Bond's appointment as CIS Group President, effective from January 1st, 2022. Chris is an exceptional business leader who has delivered outstanding results for C and deeply embodies our core values. He, together with the rest of the leadership team and our hugely talented C team, have not only driven our business forward, 
but also significantly furthered this mission to better the lives of consumers and small businesses with technology. Going forward, Chris will continue to directly report to me and operate our Shopee and C-Money businesses. In addition, as group president, Chris will work closely with me and the rest of the group leadership team on our long-term strategic initiatives with an increasing focus on synergy creation across our various businesses. In closing, our first core value at C is we serve, and this continues to inform everything we do. We believe that technology holds the greatest potential to improve people's lives, and we believe that in the current environment, our commitment to serving the unmet needs of our communities through technology has never been more important. In the quarters ahead, we will continue to focus on connecting communities, enabling consumers, and empowering small businesses so that more people can benefit from the growth of the digital economy. With that, I will invite Tony to discuss our financials. Thank you, Boris, and thanks to everyone for joining the call. We have included detailed financial schedules together with the corresponding management analysis in today's press release, and Forrest has discussed some of our financial highlights. So I will focus my comments on the other relevant metrics. For C overall, total gap revenue increased 122% year-on-year to $2.7 billion. This was mainly driven by growth in the scale of our e-commerce business as we continue to deepen the engagement with our users, as well as the growth of digital entertainment business, especially our self-developed game Free Fire. Digital entertainment bookings grew 29% year-on-year to $1.2 billion. Gap revenue was up 93% year-on-year to $1.1 billion. The growth was primarily driven by the increase of our active user base and deepened in-user penetration as we continue to engage the community through quality content and immersive experiences. Digital entertainment adjusted EBITDA was $715 million. This represents year-on-year growth of 22% and was mainly driven by the top-line growth. On e-commerce, our third quarter gap revenue of $1.5 billion included gap marketplace revenue of $1.2 billion, up 151% year-on-year, and gap product revenue of $0.3 billion, up 82% year-on-year. The strong results demonstrated the deepening penetration of e-commerce and our ability to capture these significant growth opportunities. E-commerce adjusted EBITDA loss was $684 million as we continued our investment to fully capture the opportunities in our markets. We remain committed to continue investing in a prudent and sustainable manner and growing the ecosystem to serve our users better. Digital financial services gap revenue was $132 million, an increase of 818% year-on-year from $14.4 million in the third quarter of 2020. The growth was primarily due to increasing traction as we continue to expand our suite of service offerings. Adjusted EBITDA loss was $159 million, 
compared to a loss of $149 million in the same period of 2020. This was primarily due to our continued efforts to drive mobile wallet adoption. Returning to our consolidated numbers, we recognize a net non-operating loss of $13 million in the third quarter of 2021, compared to a net non-operating loss of $74 million in the third quarter of 2020. Our non-operating loss in the third quarter of 2021 was primarily due to interest expenses on our convertible notes, partially offset by foreign exchange gains. We had a net income tax expenses of $101 million in the third quarter of 2021, which was primarily due to corporate income tax and withholding tax recognized in our digital entertainment business. As a result, net loss excluding share-based compensation was $448 million in the third quarter of 2021 as compared to $346 million for the same period in 2020. Uh, with that, let me turn the call to Ming Zhu. Thank you, Forrest and Tony. Our management team here today, Forrest, Tony, and Yanjun, are now ready to open the call for questions. Operator? Thank you. And we will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star, then one on your touchstone phone. If you are using a speaker phone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. And to withdraw your question, please press star, then two. In the interest of time, we will take a maximum of two questions at a time from each caller. If you wish to ask more questions, please request to join the question queue again after your first questions have been addressed. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. Our first question today will come from Alicia Yap of Citigroup. Please go ahead. Hi. Um, good evening, management. Thanks for taking my questions. Uh, congrats on the solid results. Um, two questions here. First, um, I guess, um, you know, Forrest mentioned on the Shopee entering, you know, Europe, for example, um, Poland, uh, and also more countries in that time. Um, can you elaborate what is the target you wanted to achieve, um, especially from the European countries? What kind of KPI that you will monitor to assess that your progress uh, is, you know, well achieved and, you know, to in, you know, potentially to evaluate, to invest more? And then second question is on free fire. Uh, with the free fire quarterly uh, addition of active user uh, slow down to single digit in the third quarter, will this suggest more or less a saturated penetration of free uh, free fire user time, or will that be uh, room for further reaccelerated, um, you know, with more new games launch and you know more new content launch within the free fire? So any color you could share will be appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. Uh, happy to. So in terms of the e-commerce expansion, uh, as we mentioned, uh, that our focus first and foremost is on our uh, markets, uh, existing market in Southeast Asia, Taiwan, uh, as well as a new market, a growth market in Brazil, where we have uh, achieved a very strong presence. Um, and uh, we may, of course, from time to time, test the waters in new markets um, in other parts of the world. Uh, given our past uh, experience operating 
um, many different markets, uh, including a seven uh, highly diverse market in Southeast Asia and Taiwan, and Brazil also being a, a different market uh, from these uh, other markets uh, in Asia. Uh, we believe that uh, we have uh, gained uh, a deep operational experience in operating in uh, different markets, as well as understanding of our uh, business model of focusing on uh, mobile native, uh, social commerce driven, uh, and uh, long tail, uh, high diverse uh, uh, categories uh, that are so, uh, especially the, the local sellers and buyers uh, who might uh, be underserved uh, in their existing markets. Uh, however, of course, uh, we are uh, remain very humble. Being humble is uh, one of our core values, in fact, and uh, we constantly tell ourselves that uh, we need to carefully evaluate uh, all these uh, market opportunities as we learn. At the same time, uh, we should uh, develop a localized and tailored solutions for each market. Uh, we wouldn't make any assumptions. We believe that uh, uh, well, hopefully uh, our entrance could uh, add value to the markets and uh, uh, see potential uh, new growth areas that uh, could also further promote uh, the local e-commerce uh, growth together uh, with our peers. However, we don't have uh, we haven't set any uh, fixed uh, KPI. Uh, I think it's uh, still at a very nascent exploratory uh, stage. We are optimistic of our Shopee's uh, long-term growth uh, because we believe there is a uh, global needs for a demand for for our business model is servicing uh, the small business sellers as well as uh, underserved consumers through our model. In terms of the uh, uh, free fire growth. Uh, of course, we have enjoyed uh, a very strong growth, and Free Fire being one of the uh, largest uh, mobile games uh, uh, in history uh, so far, um, and uh, we continue to see a strong user base. Uh, in fact, uh, if, uh, we look at our um, metrics uh, across the board. Uh, they have improved uh, not only year on year, but also quarter on quarter, uh, with this uh, very uh, tough comps uh, during the, uh, especially during the, the past uh, periods where uh, most of our markets were deeply affected by COVID. Uh, now, as uh, people, uh, the vaccine uh, rates uh, get up uh, across the, the world and, uh, and, and also our uh, communities uh, generally learn to uh, adapt to the, the situations. Um, I think there is a more of a normalized uh, 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 approach now. And uh, we're looking at a uh, you know, more of a, a pre-COVID, uh, back to more of a pre-COVID environment in terms of the, the game operations. Um, however, our user growth continue to uh, to sustain itself, and uh, especially in the newer markets that we have entered. Um, so going forward, uh, we're looking uh, to A, uh, sustain our existing strong user base um, in the existing markets and explore new growth opportunities uh, in markets that we haven't deeply penetrated, um, especially with the launch of uh, Free Fire Max and uh, new features, uh, including um, tools for user-generated content, such as uh, Craftland and uh, other tools we might introduce and features we might introduce to the game uh, in the future. We are further uh, focused on building out our strong IP and, uh, and platform. Uh, now, with uh, more than 700 million quarterly active users and growing, uh, we believe that this has, uh, you know, the platform itself uh, can be further enhanced to really include more modes, more features, uh, different ways of entering 
entertainment and socializing among our user communities, um, as well as introducing more online offline collaborations with IPs, including uh, the Fashion Week that Forrest just mentioned, um, to further build out this IP as well as a platform and to maximize the you know, long-term potential of Free Fire. Uh, we will continue to um, focus on that as well as uh, continue to build out our game pipeline with more diversified genres uh, from our self-developed pipeline as well as publishing as well as our investment um, uh, pipeline. So that's been uh, going to be our focus in the near to, to longer term. Uh, we continue to see uh, long-term potential for the game. Our next question today will come from Payush Chaudhary of HSBC. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Good evening uh, to the entire management team. Congratulations um, and thanks for the opportunity. Two questions for me. Uh, firstly, Free Fire Max was launched in late September. So could you give us some insights on um, user engagement? How is that option and time spent? How different is it from Free Fire? And how does it impact your uh, 2022 outlook? Uh, second question is on the C capital. Um, could you give us an update how much of initial $1 billion capital is already deployed? And um, there were some media news around investment in Forte. Is that correct? And if yes, then what's the strategic rationale for the same? Thank you. Thank you, Pirish. Uh, in terms of uh, Free Fire Max, uh, it is uh, still at a very early stage. We already see some uh, positive and encouraging uh, signs within our expectation of uh, deeper engagement with uh, users uh, who have uh, a higher uh, spec phones and uh, uh, that can uh, enjoy uh, higher resolution pictures uh, and more features, etc. But uh, very importantly, we make sure uh, using our proprietary um, technology to fully integrate uh, Free Fire and Free Fire Max so that uh, users playing both versions can play together in the same game and also users can use the same account to log into the both uh, versions. Um, and also within Free Fire Max, we have introduced some uh, features such as uh, Craftland, uh, which allows people to edit map and uh, customize it and make it available for other users. Uh, this is our uh, uh, you know, uh, initial attempt uh, in creating more user generation tool, user generation content tools for our community engagement um, and uh, bringing more creativity from our communities into the game itself. Um, so I think there are a lot of exciting uh, developments that uh, are to be rolled out uh, in Free Fire Max uh, and as well as in Free Fire. So we are very much uh, looking forward to um, you know, the, the fourth quarter and ahead to continue to grow this game. Uh, in terms of uh, seed capital, uh, well, we, we don't specifically disclose um, investment amounts. Uh, it's uh, important to uh, focus on uh, supporting our ecosystem as well as innovations as a core mission of uh, uh, not just C, uh, but also the different arms of C, including C Capital, uh, where um, the team will continue to, as we mentioned before, uh, the theme is uh, to focus on uh, supporting innovations, uh, supporting uh, founding teams and uh, who are uh, providing better services and enabling our communities through technology that are generally aligned uh, with our mission to, to serve our communities with technology. Uh, and uh, Forte Investment is uh, part of uh, uh, that effort as well.
Our next question will come from Piyush Mobayi of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, you talked about normalization post-COVID. Could you take us through the the range of possible outcomes as we come out of COVID, uh, given your footprint across gaming and e-commerce? It's slightly confusing. If I look through the e-commerce businesses that you're in, and in those jurisdictions, it's likely to be an economic boost that you will see, which in theory should be great for e-commerce company, your e-commerce footprint. Uh, and when I look at it on the gaming side, uh, well, there will be greater degrees of affordability, and that does have repercussions for what your paying ratios could be. But I can understand in markets like the U.S., it would have a different impact. So if you could take us through what you think the post-COVID world could look like for you and how and what's the right normal number we should be looking at, um, I'd be grateful. That's my first question. And my second question, again, a big-picture question, you talked initially about helping merchants build out and leverage the platform to go um, across the world. Could you take us through where you think that process is in the buildup of the merchant base in countries like Indonesia and compared to where the cycle that we've seen in China um, and give us a feel for what, which innings we're in in the baseball context? Thank you. Thank you, Piyush. Uh, in terms of uh, COVID, I think we're already uh, living in a uh, more normalized uh, time. Uh, uh, I believe the Q3 results uh, partly reflect that, uh, in fact. So we continue to see uh, strong growth from e-commerce sites uh, across various markets. Now, uh, we, we discussed it before at, uh, during, I believe, uh, a few quarters earlier uh, when COVID hit. Uh, there are different scenarios. Uh, one is, on the one hand, there is tailwind uh, coming from social distancing rules uh, where people rely more on uh, online shopping uh, to uh, fulfill their consumption needs um, because of social distancing rules as well as for safety measures. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if in the longer run there is a significant impact on economies, uh, there could be a, a down, downward pressure on overall consumption um, that could also affect e-commerce industry as a whole and how much of that impact might be um, uh, felt by us uh, individually is remain to be seen. Now, uh, looking at our current uh, uh, trends and results, we believe uh, that uh, you know, on the one hand, uh, the step up in digitalization in our markets, um, the forming of user behavior uh, to shop online and also sell things online uh, by more of the, especially the small businesses and even the brands, uh, are permanent, are here to stay. And meanwhile, we haven't seen any particular economies being uh, so deeply uh, or permanently impacted by COVID um, that uh, you know there is a, a clearly an impact on consumption. And at least uh, from uh, our perspective, that uh, you know as a market leader, um, we continue to uh, grow uh, in uh, our market leadership, especially in our markets, which are generally high growth markets with low e-commerce penetration, we continue to see long-term growth potential. So on that front, we are quite optimistic about the long-term growth 
uh, potential of e-commerce. Of course, uh, in a normalized uh, stage, when you do year-on-year uh, -year comparison, uh, the, the, the comp is generally tough for all e-commerce companies. I think Shafi has done, uh, uh, our team have done a great job uh, in continuing to grow at the triple-digit rate uh, for so many quarters. Um, and that was a lot of efforts, and uh, we also applaud our uh, sellers' uh, communities and their efforts uh, in working with us. And that naturally leads to uh, the second question on the, you know, how we grow our merchant base um, to help them grow more. Um, I think that, you know, our merchants are, uh, especially as we focus more on the uh, small business sellers, uh, they need more hand-holding and also uh, more uh, help in, in uh, managing their business. Uh, we started with the very basic, uh, uh, you know, tools, uh, teaching them how to take a picture of their uh, products to be uh, nicely to be sold online, how to describe their products accurately, uh, to be picked up by the right keyword searches, uh, from all the way to how to manage inventory, how to manage marketing to maximize ROI. Uh, how to manage your accounts and finance. Uh, so we have all levels of classes uh, for our merchants, uh, as well as uh, many shopping centers uh, set up uh, everywhere that uh, we can um, help them with uh, tools and develop the online tools and mobile tools, game features, social features, uh, as many ways as we can to reach them uh, very, very deeply uh, to help them manage their sales. And of course, on the, uh, from the platform perspective, we also offer integrated payment and logistics services uh, to make things uh, much easier for them. Now, on international uh, potential, we have uh, been very focused on helping you know, our Indonesian merchants to also uh, globally uh, sell their products and uh, uh, that uh, are, are in demand um, by, for example, uh, using our international program that their products can be mapped uh, easily onto uh, a different market uh, uh, UI without them having to uh, learn different languages and do a lot of tweaking. And that's done through our in-house technology. Uh, so there are many tools we have developed uh, to help them uh, by making this as smooth as possible. Uh, on the game side, I think, as I mentioned, uh, that, you know, the post-COVID normalization, as you can see, we have a more of a stable user base, um, but on the uh, however, even against uh, very tough comps, uh, we see improvements year-on-year -year and Q-on-Q -Q, uh, pretty much across all our metrics. Uh, so I think that has already uh, shown a great achievement by our game team. Um, however, in the longer run, we continue to see growth opportunities both in Free Fire itself with new features, new modes, um, new collaborations, and new IPs and uh, being introduced into it, as well as our further growing game pipeline uh, through self-development, publishing, and investment partnerships. Uh, so we are very uh, positive on the game outlook as well. And our next question today will come from Vinuga Palgari of Bernstein. Please go ahead. Hi. Uh, good evening, everyone, and thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you know, my first question is, again, on the uh, expansion in the new geography. You know, I was curious to understand uh, that given that we've seen a number of countries that you've entered in the last couple of months, are we done in terms of the choice of countries that we wanted to do in terms of global expansion? And secondly, when we sort of observe the user awareness campaigns and things centered post the launch, we haven't really seen any major activities around that. While you're using probably social media as a platform, even things like Instagram, we don't really see 
too many followers as yet. So we wanted to understand how are you approaching these while we're testing water, but you know, uh, to what extent are we, you know, we have to actually spend incrementally, which could of course alter a bit of the cost structure for e-commerce business as well as we go forward. So that's the first question. The second one is, you know, somewhere down the line, you know, in, in the press release as well, you mentioned uh, on the cost side for e-commerce, logistics is one of the, you know, reasons for the increase as well. I wanted to understand from a sustainability perspective, is it more driven by any freight rate increases that we've been seeing off late globally, especially with a larger cross-border effort we're doing, uh, given our geographic expansion? Uh, or is it more, uh, you know, driven by the value-added initiatives you, you you are doing in ASEAN as well, which, of course, all of that comes to the take rate as well. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Um, um, E-commerce uh, questions. Uh, so regarding the uh, global expansion, um, I think, uh, as we mentioned, uh, we you know, we may... Um, test waters from time to time, uh, and uh, I think it's uh, still too early to focus on you know the, those markets, uh, and there's not much for us to report on. If we open a new market, I'm sure uh, uh, people will hear about it uh, in the markets uh, otherwise. Uh, so uh, I think there's not much to, to report on at this point. Um, now, uh, if I understand correctly, you're asking whether we have been employing uh, social uh, media tools like Instagram to to promote our e-commerce platform. Is that the question? No, rather the question is that we haven't released really any major brand advertising or any brand ambassadors or you know major awareness campaigns. Uh, you know, in in each of these geographies, what we are actually seeing with deploying social media. So we have seen we are seeing Instagram, for example, you having a lot of posts out there, but we don't really see too many followers. You know, for some of these uh, uh, you know social media. Uh, in Instagram feeds and stuff yeah. like that. So wanted to understand, you know, from a cost structure point of view, at what stage will we have to kickstart, you know, fairly intense campaigns to create a user awareness? Because geographies like India are fairly large, so you would have to, at some stage, you allocate, you know, some amount of uh, cost towards that. Yeah, I think uh, uh, India is still very uh, at a very early stage. Uh, so you know, we haven't. Uh, uh, really focused on a uh, you know widespread uh, campaign nationwide. Uh, again, but if you look at our other markets, we believe that uh, we are very well followed on social media, um, and uh, uh, in our Southeast Asia and the Latin markets, especially uh, for the newer markets. Again, uh, you know, I wouldn't read too much into the the current operations or numbers because it's really at a very nascent stage. Um, in terms of uh, logistics and cross-border logistics, uh, I think we, uh, as usual, uh, we uh, continue to partner with uh, uh, third-party logistics service providers to serve our uh, sellers and uh, buyers communities. Uh, most of our buyers, uh, sellers, uh, in fact, are primarily local sellers, um, so more focus is on uh, you know, connecting with uh, local 3PLs. Uh, to make sure the process is smooth um, and the delivery is timely and uh, reliable for our users, and also the cost can over time uh, go down and due to uh, with efficiency and improvement on operations and deeper connections uh, integration with our platform. Uh, so this has not uh, been a change in our overall strategy. Uh, while we do have uh, Shopee Express um, last mile delivery services uh, in uh, certain markets, 
uh, as a supplement uh, to uh, 3PL uh, capacity. Uh, we continue to you know, view it as a holistic, uh, from a holistic perspective um, to see how overall logistics service experience has been for our sellers and buyers, uh, whether we need to ramp up more on our own uh, Shopee Express uh, delivery or we can uh, rely more on the 3PLs. So on that front, we are very open-minded and adopt a highly pragmatic approach on this. Our next question will come from Ranjan Sharma of J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Hi, good evening, and, and thank you for the call. Uh, two questions from my side. Firstly, on the gaming side, uh, you have not changed your guidance. Uh, and based on your nine months results, it's indicating that the gaming portfolio is going to be soft or uh, declining in the fourth quarter, despite the launch of Free Fire Max. Uh, is there any trends that uh, make you guide this way, or could there be some upside uh, risk to the guidance? Um, the second question is on the e-commerce uh, basket size seems to be trending down. If you could ex uh, help us understand what's driving that and, and, and if that could be turned around as well. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ranjan. Uh, regarding the game uh, site, as mentioned, uh, we are uh, continuing to build our game franchise. Uh, Free Fire Max, uh, we primarily see as a user engagement uh, to deepen uh, with uh, user engagement with user communities, offer more features and uh, possibilities uh, to users, especially those with uh, uh, phones have, uh, having higher specs uh, that can uh, allow uh, more higher resolution uh, maps and features. Uh, so this is uh, not uh, for us, uh, especially at this stage, uh, a, a revenue driver. Um, we believe our game uh, guidance, uh, given uh, the beginning of the year, has been a very strong, uh, uh, you know, the guidance in terms of monetization, uh, given the the comp versus uh, last year, and uh, uh, you know, the overall size of the the game portfolio we have already uh, achieved uh, and scaling up uh, so rapidly over the the course of uh, a few years. Um, so I think it's very important for us to also focus on solidifying our user base and our game content and pipelines and, and capabilities uh, to focus on long-term growth and uh, long-term maximization of the potential of the Free Fire platform and IP, as well as uh, the diversification of our genres across a, um, a further uh, a stronger spectrum. Now, in terms of uh, uh, e-commerce AOV, uh, it, I think it's uh, been uh, slightly trending downwards, uh, partly also because of uh, uh, entrance of uh, new markets uh, where um, the AOV tend to be, the basket size might be smaller uh, with a, a new market mix. And overall, I think our AOV has been uh, relatively stable uh, at the uh, high single, low double digit range. Uh, it's uh, Sometimes it can fluctuate uh, because of uh, shopping seasons, or um, seasonality of a category mixes. Uh, so overall, I, I think that's been quite stable. So, so the AOV uh, mix is not, or overall, overall AOV uh, size is not a, a target for us. We don't have a KPI uh, to say that we must drive up AOV. I think what AOV is uh, is a right mix for us depends on uh, the markets that we have and our understanding of what users in those markets need and what categories really serve the users best um, and also might evolve over time uh, as we focus on user uh, growth. 
So uh, on, on that front, I don't think it's necessary having a higher AOV is uh, a right strategy for e-commerce platform. Uh, and singularly, singularly focusing on AOV could uh, have a, a, you know, a negative impact on, on the uh, health and the long-term profitability of the e-commerce platform. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Minju Song for any closing remarks. Thank you, and thank you all for joining today's call. We look forward to speaking to all of you again next quarter. Thank you. The conference has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect. <laughs>